You're out of beer already? Yeah, I just drank it. Unbelievable, we haven't even started and you're out of beer. You haven't even started yours. You're listening to I Might Be Wrong, a podcast about music hosted by myself, Rich Newnham, and my co-host, Mr. Henry Salmon. Welcome back. This is episode number nine of I Might Be Wrong. I am joined once again by my co-host, Mr. Henry Salmon, and I am Rich Newnham. Okay, so you have Muse last week. This week it's my choice. I am going to go with The National. The uh, National. <laughs> a band that I absolutely adore. And I really struggled, actually genuinely struggled to decide which which album I wanted to, uh, wanted to highlight on this. Because they've got several really amazing <clears throat> ones. What did you choose? I have gone for High Violet. Because I think it's probably... It's the first of their really, really rounded albums... It feels like they've started to really settle in and, and feel themselves as a band. Was that the first time you heard them? So, no. Or did you, where, where did you first bump into the National? So High Violet came out in... 2010. Thank you. But I'd actually been listening to them since Boxer was when I first discovered them. And we will come on to Boxer and Alligator and a couple other albums because I really... There's so much that I want to talk about with with The National and so much great stuff in there. So I discovered them because there's a track called Fake Empire that I heard played on the radio and it it absolutely blew me away. They're a band that's quite quite art rock, I guess. Yeah. And uh, Matt Berninger, who is the lead singer, has a very distinctive voice. He's got a very yeah. bassy voice. Yeah, it's true. It's it's one of those voices where it, it's un, unmatched. It's you, could, you you know exactly who it is when he starts singing. Yeah, I mean, but I think part of that is just you don't really hear bassy voices in pop and rock music. There's specific people you can pick out over the over the years. You know, so you've got Johnny Cash, Leonard Cohen. There are very specific voices that yeah. that you can think of and and it's almost it's easier to think of them because because there's so few of them yeah the the other thing i guess that i noticed and you'll probably come on to as well is the um is the drumming yeah which is so distinctive and it's that kind of that offbeat kind of continuous continuous drumming in the background which it, it's almost as if the drummer is just he's off he's playing and he's just going to keep playing there's an element of it drives a lot of their songs a lot of their songs would sound because they've got quite a gloomy sound they've been described as depressing and downbeat and all these things which i think is unfair because i find their music very uplifting but i think that's partly because they've always got this driving drumming that's pushing the songs forward that's holding everything together and it's definitely a significant part of their sound and that musically they're a brilliant band they've got a lot of talent there and amongst them all but the drumming definitely stands out because I, I think the first time I went from knowing of them and I think Boxer was the album again that I heard first but the, t- the song that got me into them was Blood Buzz Ohio oh yes which and, and that's the drumming on there is so good and that's that just carries you and, and that was one that I actually I did want to talk about on, on this pod because 
it's exactly that. It's got this kind of drum beat that almost, it doesn't stumble over itself, but it, it kind of starts and then gathers pace and gets more and more and more as it goes. Yeah. And then and then you've got this hazy guitar that kind of builds up behind it. And then, and then Berninger kicks in and everything just suddenly goes. And it's just, it's amazing. And it, it builds to this fantastic crescendo. And I love... I love that song so much. It's probably one of my favourite national songs, and it's just it's it's just fantastic. Sorry, we've we've just been interrupted because we're we're recording at Henry's for this podcast, and Otter, who is a beautiful black spaniel, has decided to come and join us and sit right by the mic. So if you hear a little bit of panting or tail wagging going on, that's that's not Henry. That's that's the dog. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, stealing our thunder, Otto. Absolutely. But yeah, the, the other thing about Blood Buzz Ohio is it, it kind of highlights this really interesting way with words that Berninger has, where he will just he'll just pull out weird phrases that sound they sound really meaningful even when they might be considered complete nonsense. But yeah. it's something that he really focuses on. Apparently he he will when he gets the music, he'll listen to the music. And he'll start pulling these phrases out that make him that, that are kind of inspired by the music. When you get the f- first lyric, "Stand up straight at the foot of your love," that's kind of weird. But then, if you think about it, it's not that weird. But it's just a it evokes it's an interesting way of it evokes imagery, and that's the thing. They evoke imagery in a way that doesn't necessarily is it doesn't make immediate sense. It's not. It's always a bit obscure and a bit kind of left field. But again, there's the lyric from this that always grabs me is, I was carried to Ohio <laughs> in a swarm of bees. Yeah. What the hell does that even mean? But it, it evokes this incredible imagery. Yeah, but then I always, I, whenever he sings that, I keep thinking of Nicolas Cage in that movie when he gets like attacked by a swarm of bees right. and he's going, bees! Yeah, it does. It's annoying because I keep getting Nicolas Cage's head in my. <laughs> I always get. Um, there's a moment in Scrubs where JD lands in a bush that's full of bees and comes out screaming bees, and I have the exact same thing whenever I get the bees in that. I then get bees running out of a bush. <laughs> there we go. Not that imagery. I wasn't thinking of that imagery, Sorry. but you know, you know Sorry. what I mean. Like, it's just amazing. Um, and even even the opening to the album, Terrible Love. The way that opens, it's got this fuzzy guitar and Burning is sort of buried underneath it and he's a little bit, not mumbly, but low-key compared to the music that he's singing against. But then it then slowly builds up to this like big crescendo and again, it's driven by the drums. And I love that song so much. It's such a great, such a great tune. Yeah, you see, I was going to say that was one of my favourite tracks too, but I think the one that trumps it for me is the penultimate track, England. England's so, great. I heard this when I, I downloaded the album onto my iPod shuffle when I was living in London. And I walked through, I was walking through London at night and it was raining and England came on and I hadn't heard it before. Right. And it's one of those moments where I can still remember which street I was on and I can probably remember the make of the car that drove past when I was listening <laughs> to it. And you're like, this is amazing. Well, I've I've seen them play live a number of times over the years and England always gets a cheer from any British yeah, crowd. No, exactly, it's it's yeah. amazing. And it's it's an interesting song because it has this, he talks about, this feeling that he's lost or left in England yeah. and, and just this kind of yearning for a place or a feeling or a time that isn't quite where you are is it's quite a, a ubiquitous feeling that everyone can kind of relate to. And, and a lot of a lot of their music generally kind of speaks to modern anxieties. Yeah. 
he sings a lot about love, but it's never a comfortable, happy love. It's like a nervous, not entirely sure whether it's all going to fall apart any minute now love. Yeah. Even though he's been, you know, very happily married for a long time and his wife writes some of the lyrics for The National, she's been credited on, I think, the last three albums for, for various bits and pieces. Yeah, I mean, the, the line about you must be somewhere in London, you must be loving your life in the rain is yeah. is so evocative. And, yeah. and if, anyone who's lived in London can... Well, they can relate to it, but but I wonder more whether if you're on the other side of the Atlantic and you've got someone in London who you're fond of, that that to them must be, must yeah. be pretty cool. absolutely. Other tracks I wanted to call out, so Runaway, I really love. Quite a, an under-the-radar track, but it really showcases his voice. Yeah. He's got an immensely strong voice, and the thing about Boxer and Alligator is he's almost apologetically mumbly on those albums. There are bits where you're, it's almost like he's hes apologising for singing over the instruments that are on there, because he's like, well, they're the best bits. I'm just just—I'm just the guy who's delivering the lyrics. I shouldn't, I shouldn't be here. Right, if, I'm going to interrupt the podcast, um, because there's this image, uh, which you won't be able to see, of, of Rich basically playing a dog. He's got a Spaniel's <laughs> paw in his left hand. He's stroking the spaniel's stomach in the right, and it looks like he's actually playing a spaniel. There you go. If you can imagine that, that's what's going on in this room at the moment. It doesn't make any noise, though, which is good, because otherwise we'd just be being barked over at the moment. Yeah. So can I, can I ask a question? Can we yeah, um, slightly diverge from um, High Violet? Go back to Boxer, because you said you wanted to talk Absolutely. about it. Absolutely. Can someone tell me what's going on with the time signature in Fake Empire and how that song actually... <laughs> I keep listening to it, and I keep liking it, but I can't... I, I want to kind of... I want to tap my feet, and I just can't do it. I don't know what's happening. It's it's one of those... In fact, I'm going to look it up. You and, I, you and I are both big Radiohead fans, and there's a particular Radiohead track as well that, that messes around with time signatures between the drums and the other instruments that kind of screws with your head. Um, so if, if people haven't heard Pyramid Song, go and have a listen to that because it will mess with your head the first couple of times you listen to it. Um, but yeah, Fake Empire, I wouldn't be surprised if they shift the signature throughout the song. Right, okay, so I've just, I've just checked it out. Um, so they're playing it in 3-4 and 4-4 four, four times simultaneously, otherwise known as polymeter, which is why it's doing my nothing, because I can't... Yeah. See, this is the thing. They, they, they are... It sounds pretentious, but they are intrinsically an art rock band. A lot of what they do is, is clever musically, but I, I think you can enjoy it without necessarily getting caught up in that stuff. I'm I, so, love, I love oh, Fake Empire as well. I'm it's so glad. one of my favourite tracks. Right, okay, I'm so... Okay, so they, it really is a split song, which me... Wow, okay. So the whole... <laughs> the, the Okay, the higher pitch synth sounds are on 4-4 four, four time, and the lower pitches are on 3-4, which is why you can't just tap along to it. Right. But it sounds so so engrossing. It's such a good song. Fake okay. Empire's yeah, amazing. That, 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 that's the song that got me into them in the first place. And then there's that the opening to that album is Fake Empire... Mistaken for Strangers, which apparently there's this kind of fuzzy, clangy guitar thing on the start of Mistaken for Strangers, which is apparently their guitarist's attempt to start writing a Pixies song. Really? Yeah, it's an homage to how the Pixies play. And it was going to get thrown away, and then someone kind of started messing around with it. Then it became Mistaken for Strangers. Didn't you leave the Pixies off your top ten bands of all time? No. I think you did. I'm sure you did. I, I... resent that suggestion <laughs> even more so if it's true <laughs> but that that's the thing so there's other stuff on there that i love as well so slow show 
is yeah. fantastic. It's so good. And it's again, it's this kind of anxious, anxious love thing where he talks about it's talking about going home and putting on a show for the wife and being anxious about the the, the love that they have and all this kind of mm. stuff. It's it's mm, yeah. it's really very heart on the sleeve stuff while being obscure and slightly covered at the same time. Yeah. Box is my other like favourite album of theirs. What about the new stuff? Like the or the more recent recent albums? Yeah, so I really like I mean I I they're not one that I've lost track of. I've listened to every album that they've released yeah. and obsessively so in most cases. So the the other albums more recent than than that are Trouble Will Find Me, Sleep Well Beast, and last year I think I Am Easy to Find. Yeah. I think they've the sounds evolved, so there's more electronic stuff. Sort of starting with a couple of tracks on Trouble Will Find Me. Yeah, they've almost done a similar thing to Radiohead, where they've started getting a feel for like dropping in electronic glitches or bits of keyboards, yeah. things like that. There's stuff like Don't Swallow the Cap and Graceless that again are very much that driving drums. You know, lyrics are all very much wearing his heart on his sleeve. Um, and I should live in salt is a belter on that. I was going to say that's the one, the song that stands out. That's the one that I think everyone picks out, and I don't know that it's my favourite song on the album, but it's definitely up there as one of them. They won't really lose their audience, I think, for the way that they're playing music at the moment. If you listen to, because I listen to, I, I am easy to find. Yeah, um, I love it. It's it great. Came out. But it's a bit of a. How long did it take you to get into it? Because I, de- it was definitely a couple of goes through before I started to get it. It's See, a bit that, harder to get. That into. doesn't surprise me. And the weird thing is, I thought it would be that kind of album for me, but it just grabbed me from the off. Okay. I, I think I think the difference potentially between the stuff that you and I listen to is I listen to a lot more male-female vocalist collaborative stuff, so harmonisations yeah. yep. or just bands that have male-female front people. And so having that stuff in there, because it's he they collaborate with a lot of pretty well-known artists as well. So they've got Sharon Von Etten... Kate Stables from This Is The Kit appears on two or three tracks. Yeah. And it's interesting because Berninger is obviously normally the vocal focus, but he's almost buried yeah. on this album. That whenever whenever yeah, there's a right. female that's vocal, right. he's almost taking a back seat and doing backing vocals and things like that. Yeah. And and that's that's really interesting. And there I read an article shortly after it came out where they talked about the album and apparently the I think it was the, their producer and one of the one of the other members of the band were were saying, "We feel like we're burying you on this stuff. Like this this doesn't seem fair." And his response was, "It's okay. I've spent enough time listening to me." Yeah. And he well, actually wanted to bring more of those female voices to the fore because a lot of their earlier albums are him talking to or talking in the direction of the women in his life. Yeah. And this this is almost like the conversation on the other side of that coming back, which is fascinating it's, to listen to. Because actually to mix a band up, I mean, you're heading into, like I so said, one of my favourite bands is the New Pornographers, who they're a kind of Canadian supergroup, and, and they've got Nico Case as one of their front people, along with a bunch of other guys who are um, pretty well known in the Canadian music circles. But they can mix it up because they've got this very strong female vocalist coming to the fore. And the Nationals seem to start, they're, they're playing with that idea of actually just, you know, if you want to sing a song and it needs a female voice, use it. Yeah, and, and, we've and got you, people we can bring we in can, there. We can do it. And the, and the National are, they're an all-male band, so it's, it's Matt Berninger, and then there are two sets of brothers. So Matt Berninger had met, what's his name? 
Scott Devendorf, they've met at Cincinnati when they're at university and they've been in a band called Nancy before before they were in the National. And then after college, they'd moved to Brooklyn for jobs in finance and things like that. And they'd met Bryce and Aaron Dessner, who are twins, who play guitars and a few other instruments, but basically they're, they're the guitar twins yeah. in the band. And they'd met, they'd been in another band that had kind of imploded and they'd met through Scott's brother, Brian, who's the drummer. So there's these two sets of brothers, including one set of twins. And so it's a very tight-knit male group yeah. that are obviously very, very, you know, it's that kind of siblings type thing. Yeah. And so I think breaking out of that has partly come about through Burninger's wife being more and more involved in the band and in terms of lyric writing, because the bigger voice she gets, the more impetus there is for female voice to to yeah. actually to actually be in there and so i think i think that makes that makes sense and and it it continues to just open up the possibilities for them and to evolve their sound and it, it's interesting because she's she's actually alluded to in a number of so there's a song called karen her name's karen she's c-a-r-i-n karen yeah. besner besner besser and so she's name checked in the early albums the later albums she starts to actually write vocals the most recent album i think she's got co-writing credits mm-hmm. with with Berninger. so the more she's come to the fore but i would assume she isn't a singer and so has no interest in actually doing the vocals herself yeah um so top three national tracks can you do it <laughs> is it possible um i don't know that it's possible but I would say off the top of my head, Blood Buzz Ohio and Fake Empire are definitely up there as, as tracks that have been the lead into those albums. Yeah, and for me, Fake Empire, I, part of me would want to go for... So I, I first saw The National live after they had, after they had just brought out Boxer. Yeah. I think it was the, the tour after the album had come out rather than the tour before. And they played Daughters of the Soho Riots Mm -hmm. as part of that. And Daughters of the Soho Riots is a really quiet, very beautifully quiet, almost heartbreaking song. And they had, they played this like halfway through the set or towards the end of the set. It was just incredible. And it blew my mind as a song. And I, to the point where, you know, there are those songs where you, you go away from a gig and you absolutely just have to go and listen, find out what the song is so, and listen to it. So, yeah. so that would probably be up there as well. You just reminded me of a moment when we went to see Radiohead and Willie Nelson was supporting them. And Willie Nelson played a song halfway through his set list, which isn't the Willie Nelson song. He covered something. And right. I remember sitting there thinking, this is wonderful. And I need to remember every all of the lyrics that are going on here to work out what the song yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. I still haven't found out that song. So that's my, my challenge. Yeah, and so I guess that that for me is where I was going with Sons and Daughters was it was it was an absolute must must find. And that was what led me back to listening to Alligator, which yeah. I hadn't really touched on at that point. I only yeah. actually listened to Boxer at that point. Yeah, that's a good point. It's and that's another album which is um which is worth a listen. It's quite inventive. It is. And again, it just it just feels a bit a bit early stage, if mm. that makes sense, you know. And it, even though it's their third album at that point, they've got two before that that I haven't really listened to much, because they're they're okay, but they haven't. It's where they found their voice, but they're still finding their sound. Yeah. I think there's a couple, there's a couple on there that just just fantastic. So 
secret meeting is great and and has that I had a secret meeting in the basement of my brain lyric that's just cool for that reason. <laughs> that's awesome. I don't know that one. Um, every every time they sing it, every time I listen to that track and they sing in the basement of my brain, I get the Monty Python Gumby Man going <laughs> brain in the back of my head, um, which is less less awesome, less but it is it's a great brain. song. Um, and the other one off there is Mr. November, which is another yeah. absolute behelter of a track live. It was used on Obama's campaign. That's, uh, yeah, that's less, right. Less of the swearing because there's there's a bit of swearing in the chorus of that. But that's that's another one that is just just unbelievable live. So I I once saw the National three times in a month. Jeez. Because um, I'd bought tickets to see them at the the Electric Ballroom in yep. Camden. Nice venue. Tiny venue for the size that they were as a band, and was was excited to see them there. Neil and I saw them there together, and we were stood. I don't know, 10, 15 people back from the front. Yeah. And he did Mr. November and he does this thing for Mr. November where he jumps over the railings and he's got a microphone on a ridiculously long lead yep. and he goes out into the crowd and has a wander out and back on himself. So he walked past my left shoulder on the way out, past Neil's right shoulder on the way back. Amazing. Which is, I mean, I could have reached out and touched him, <laughs> but I don't know whether he would have liked that. So yeah, saw saw them do that, then saw them at the so my friends Nick and Nikki, who used to live in London, so how I how I kind of knew them back in the day, they'd won tickets on the old iTunes festival thing that you used to have where they'd have a month of gigs at the Roundhouse with big bands, and the only way you could go to those gigs was to win them. Yep. And so they'd won tickets and then couldn't go. So I they offered them to me because they knew I was a fan. And so having seen them twice in that month, I then went to Glastonbury and was absolutely like, well, I'm not going to bother seeing the National at Glastonbury because why would I? I've yep. just seen them twice. And then there was no one else on and my friends wanted to go and see the National. So I was like, okay, why I will why do that again. And they, they, they're just one of those bands that I will never tire of seeing them live, I don't think. Um, and, and seeing him scream Mr. November into the microphone on that track is, it's so visceral. It's, it's amazing. I, I love it. It's such a great, yeah, such a great live tune. I've not seen them play Mr. November, but I've seen performances of it on YouTube, and and yeah, and you can see there. It's the best time I saw them for that was I went to see them not that long ago, maybe only a couple of years ago. They played the Hammersmith Apollo. Yep, and I went and saw them there, and they did the he did the Mr. November walk out into the crowd thing, except this time he wandered out and did a big kind of yeah wandery thing and ended up in the men's toilets singing Mr. November like as a duet with a guy who was having a piss like the two of them singing down the microphone together it was amazing they're renowned for their live performances to the point where I actually before this I did a little bit of research and reading up but there was a quote from I think it was I think it was a drowned not drowned in sound pitchfork interview where they talked about the fact that Michael Stipe, who is the lead singer of R.E.M., took the bass player from R.E.M., a guy called Mike Mills, to hear the National perform in London. And apparently it only took Mills half a song to exclaim, this is the most amazing thing I've heard in years. And Stipe was like, yeah, it's it's instantaneous. It touches you. Like The, the way they are live is... 
and his voice is another level on from what it sounds like on the album. It's almost like he's unleashed when when they're singing yeah. when he's playing live. And the REM boys know how to make some music, so it's, yeah, they're pretty um, good. <laughs> I've heard they've done well. I, I think we'll probably touch on them at some point as well. Yeah. Oh, actually, yeah, we could. Yeah, they're not even on my list of. I think I've actually got... no. I had New Adventures. I think New Adventures and Hi-Fi is on my list. Y- you might have that. I think I've got a different album on there. But yeah, we'll we'll do another. We'll do another podcast. We'll do a podcast on I... them at some point. REM are, are pretty pretty special and pretty again very influential on my tastes. So we should definitely have a listen to them at, at some point and have a chat. But yeah, I think I think we should probably wrap it up there because we've talked a lot about them. Unless you've got any more exciting facts that you want to add well the only two facts that i was going to put put forward are that um two members two people who've collaborated with the national are Sophie and stevens who we're uh-huh. going to talk about at some point yep. and also some vincent so they they do have these collaborations with other well they've done he's done he's done they've all done solo or side projects at various points in time there's a there's a there's a side project that matt berninger did that is called Elvi, which I think was one that you introduced me yeah. to, wasn't it? Yeah, oh yeah, that, it's got that lyric. Um, yeah, it's um, the one about I'm peaceful because my dick's in the sunlight, held up by kites. Because <laughs> yeah, I okay. can to be. Um, he, he does like referring to his penis. He does it on, there's a couple of, there's a couple of the national tracks which I'd not realised. But yeah, he, he does that, he does that a bit. It's a little bit of obsession there, I think. Ending um, the podcast with a, with a dick quote. Yeah, I mean, why why not? Why right? Not? They've done a bunch of other stuff. So obviously, there's the Elvi side project. There's other side projects. I think one of them's done at least a film soundtrack or two. And there's the um, they did a, a film about the band as well at one point called Mistaken for Strangers. That was sort of it's this weird, mostly real, but sort of maybe not real, maybe a little bit fictional thing that's yeah. that involves his brother who is sort of the slacker of the family so yeah that that's another i mean they're just they're doing a lot yeah and and they are i would say from a from a musical perspective i would definitely start with boxer and high violet as two to listen to and then get into the rest from there i think i think just go straight to high violet because otherwise your brain's going to explode like mine did on um (laughs) on fake empire so yeah that's fair so that is that's the national that's the national Thanks for listening. We will be back next week. Next week. Cheers. Thank you for listening to another episode of I Might Be Wrong. You've been listening to myself, Rich Newnham, and my co-host, Mr. Henry Salmon.